take up our Bibles at this time and turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. And for the sake of time this morning, I'm just going to read verses 15 through 20, our sermon text, that beautiful picture of the fullness of who our Savior is. We'll reference those other verses uh, in our sermon introduction. Let's give special attention to that which God breaks open for us in the broken servant that He provides for us. Colossians 1 verse 15, hear now the word of the Lord. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he is head of body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. We also give attention to our confessions this morning to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 11, If you'd like to turn there, it's found on page 876 in the back of your Trinity Psalter. Lord's Day 11, question and answers 29 and 30. Bottom right of page 876, why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because He saves us from our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who look for their salvation and security and saints in themselves or elsewhere really believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No. Although they boast of being His, by their actions they deny the only Savior, Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior or those who in true faith accept this Savior have in Him all they need for their salvation. Thus far, our confession. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, as we approach you, as we come before your word, to that which you will teach us this morning, Father, we pray, do not leave our hearts hardened, do not leave our ears stopped, do not leave us, Father, in an attitude of of preference or of turning away from that which you provide for us, that, Lord, we would humble ourselves before you and for your word, and that, Lord, you would work in it and by it salvation for your people. Lord, hear our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, beloved of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sir, we would see Jesus. It's a message that's found on a great number of pulpits as you get to do a little bit of pulpit supply here and there. But it serves for us this morning as a reminder to each of you churchmen, This congregation needs to see Jesus. They need to be ministered to in him. They need to hear his words that they might know him and the power of his resurrection. And that is an awesome and an awful calling. And not just for those men sitting in the front row today. That is a call for each of us in Christ Jesus. And yet to you elders and deacons, there is great encouragement for us to know that this congregation prays for us to that end, asking that you'd be filled, even as it says in Colossians chapter 1, that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, that you would bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God, that you would be strengthened 
that you would be filled and strengthened and walk and bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Congregation, I pray that these, even these words, these phrases, become a part of the substance of your prayer for our elders and our deacons. And so we give thanks for each of you, brothers, who have been qualified to share, to share and be strengthened, to share with him and with all the inheritance and the saints in light. It's because we share in what he's provided us in a Savior. That's why you sit here this morning, nothing to do with you, but all because of Jesus. He's provided us a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, to deliver us from the domain of darkness into a kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. That's our blessing. That's our message. That's our mode of serving this congregation. And so each believer then has all things worth having in Jesus Christ. And so we make Him known. Not us, not our calling, not our office, not our job, nothing else. That here is the apostle saying what? I have endeavored to know nothing, to preach nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. To speak the wonder of Jesus. And so why is He called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because He saves us from our sins. And because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. And so it is that message in his messengers that this congregation is praying for. That they're praying for each other. That they would be emboldened to go forth and speak that same word. So that we, brothers, would show forth Jesus. And that we would show them the way to him. And so as much as I encourage the congregation to pray for you in these words of Colossians 1... Perhaps we pray for each other and for ourselves in a way like St. Patrick. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who would speak of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. Because, sirs, we would see Jesus. That's your calling. That's your task. All of those other duties aside, this is why you sit here. This is what this congregation needs from you. Nothing more or nothing less than Christ. To see Christ in us, to see us serving Christ Jesus, to see us serving for the glory of Jesus. And they need that because it's a matter of life and death. You see, what we sign our, our names to in a, a way of which we're expected, and these are the, the creeds that we uphold, and this is the word that we take, that we enter spiritual battle in what we do. It's why when we look at these men who have served well and say, take a breather, that's why we say it. It's why you men who come in to the room again recognize these things are not easy. But this office is not me, it is Christ. 
And what this congregation needs to be met with is not me, but with Christ. Because do those who look for their salvation and security in saints and themselves or elsewhere really believe in their only Savior, Jesus? No. Although they boast of being His, by their actions they deny the only Savior, Jesus. That you elders will have a responsibility of pointing that blind spot out to many who even sit in our pews and continue to say, I believe in Jesus, but live in a way that is contrary. And you will go to them not in you, and not even first and foremost in your office, but in Christ. And you deacons in leading this congregation in that way of mercy and care and compassion. That is what you will lead them in. Not in your personality, not in yourself, but in Christ. Because either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, and we don't ever want to communicate that, or they have in this Savior all that they need for their salvation. So do we know him? Are we in love enough with him? Do we understand enough of him that we can come and say, in my weakness, Christ, fill me, be in me, but may this congregation see Jesus because he is the Savior and he is ours. And so we share a needed story, a needed story of Jesus that his people and these people would have in him all they need for salvation. And that picture is beautifully presented for us in what we've read in Colossians 1. This is the one in whom our trust must be found. And it's a story then which makes known a Savior who is creator and sustainer in verses 15 to 17 and master and reconciler in verses 18 through 20. For in considering who Jesus is and what we're to make known of him unto salvation, we must share and live out the reality that for Jesus to be Savior, he who was God needed to become man. And certainly we've talked about that a lot in terms of the Christmas season. Man sinned, so man must pay for his sin. Yet mankind is not strong enough to bear up under the weight of sin or guilt or under the supreme judgment of a holy God. So God did that. That's the message we speak to you. God did what we could not do in the person and work of his Son, who is, verse 15, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That word image becomes important. Man was made in the image of God, yet man sinned. So the Father sends his Son in that image to be fully perfect and righteous. And he was willing to do it. Though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. That image, being born in the likeness of men. That image. So that Jesus, in that image, in our flesh, fully God and fully man, could complete the Father's will in its entirety for your salvation. That's why he came. That's why he lived. That's why he served. And so we see the blessing then not just of the way that God has made all things and made man to be his image bearer, but now sends his son, his only begotten in that flesh, the wonder of the incarnation of Jesus. All of this for that one end. 
so that we could enjoy what? Romans 8, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, that he would gather a family to himself, that that salvation wouldn't just be mine personally, but that it would have an impact on a body. That each of you brothers, in living that Christ before this people, gets to say, I am one being conformed to the image of his Son, and I long for that for you too. And let's walk that by the power of the Spirit together. This was done. All of it was done so Jesus could save us and more have the only place of authority and honor and glory. He alone, that Savior who is to be praised, and our lives need to reflect that as we submit to Him and worship Him. For by Him, all things were created. Verse 16. As those who were created by God, who has made all things, who spoke this existence into being, we love and submit to Christ, who is that Word. We submit to Jesus. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That here is that wonderful through. The Father has created all things, and He does that through the Son, and He works life. Which means if He has given the Son in that image to reshape it and to make it new, and now He has worked that in us, then we through Christ are made new. No longer what we were. We're now something better. Because we have life. Because all things were created by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. He is the power of life as its genesis, as its creator. And that testimony of his rule then, that one who is able to bring all things into being, says what then? That there is no power. There is no substance. There is no molecule. There is no anything of life outside of him. It's just Him, which means there is no power able to defeat Him, and not even us, not even our own brokenness is going to derail the justice and the power and the grace and the mercy of God, which is why we can have a resolute trust in an all-powerful Savior. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 8, For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God the Father from whom all things are and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. And let that be encouragement to you, brothers. What you are is through Him. It is to always be seen and known through Him. Because nothing of the powers in heaven or of earth are above him. And in him all was created. All things were created, even you, through him and for him. Which means all of those powers and all of the exercise of them will be turned for our good and his glory. None of them will separate us from his love. That's the power of this Savior who is creator. 
That's what we get to hold on to. That's what we get to anchor in and cling to. He is the word of creation, which then speaks of his place and rank. Verse 17, and he is before all things. It's the glory of his place of power, for there are none above him, none greater than him, none before him, none worthy of praise. A Savior who is not only the word of creation, but the word of promise and sustaining it. Oh, what are are we going to do? What what is the body of Christ going to do? The one who has created it will sustain it. And he has chosen you brothers to be a part of that. Well, well, what if the eye test doesn't match? And and what if we get to the end and there are less people or there's struggle or there's turmoil or there's grief or there's... It has always been so. And yet he's been faithful. And he will continue to be faithful. Because he cares not just for the church, he cares for all things. He cares for all that has been made. He sustains that creation because he is before all things and all things are his. And in him all things hold together. Because he isn't just the start of life, he's the one who rules over it and keeps it and cares for it. And what we do as caretakers in the body is make that known. We make known him who gives his life. And who keeps life so that we will not worry about anything. So we will give ourselves, not just as office bearers, but as believers. Give ourselves to seeking first the Savior's kingdom and his righteousness. Leading each other, leading this flock to the only source of life and care. To the only one in whom all things adhere. Kids, there's a a sticky part of that language, right? That, That Christ is adhesive. So like that glue that you say you don't eat, but you do, or that tape, or whatever else, right? The sticky stuff. Christ is the sticky stuff. And I don't say that to to be light about it, but to say everything makes sense. Everything's held together. Everything's kept in order. Everything is beautiful as it's adhered to in him, cohered to, and find meaning in him. Because nothing of this world, any power or any created thing, makes sense apart from him. So show your dependence upon him as creatures submitting to your creator. Show your trust in one who keeps you and will keep his own in promises that are yes and amen in Jesus the Savior. Because your faith must be found in this creator and sustainer who is also master and reconciler. And that in the second place. Because... If all things have come into being by way of his word through him, all things are directed to him, all things are made and kept to bring glory to God as they are found in adhering to him. But yet we're still dealing with us. And we're going to still work amongst a congregation who is struggling with us. There's still sin. There's still brokenness. While Jesus is the life and light of man, sin brings death and darkness. The first creation was marred, and so as as much change happens here, there's still something more to come. And so what's required is a new creation. And what a promise in this Jesus that in him we are 
a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, made new by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And more than that, he will make all things new. So we have not only a now salvation to communicate to this body, but but a great hope. That's the message we need to hear. That's the message we make known. That's the message we live out before a congregation and before the world. But hear this. If all we share is that he's made all things, is in control over all things, rules over all things, makes things make sense, we're not sharing and living enough. We share and live the message of Jesus Christ, the message of creator, of master, of Lord, of reconciler and savior. But I want to add this to it, brothers. Remember that you are not him. You are not savior. You are not Lord. You are not master. You are not king and potentate. What you are here is servant. That is what we are. That is all we are to be. Servants given to the accomplishing of a mission in dutiful service, rendered in full dependence upon him because he is our Lord. And he is the head of the body, verse 18, the church. That our blessing would be found in serving in his fullness. It says in Ephesians 1, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We pray, Father, may the fullness of Christ be known in this church, even in our service. Colossians 2, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. You have all things in him. We in Christ have all things in him. In Jesus, we're made new together as a church, a glorious part of his work of a new creation. But that's only true, hear this, only true as the church, properly conceived and given life, is found in an only Lord and Savior. Not found in anything else. Shared location, shared upbringing, shared place, shared family names. Found in nothing else other than in Christ. Other than in the Savior. That must be our intention and goal. That each one would submit to and love more and more that Savior and Lord. And that all of our activity in that together would bring Him glory. That is why He has saved us to that task. Worthy of it. Because he is God. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything and in us, he would be preeminent. It's the link of Jesus as the creative word of Genesis 1 and John 1, now to being master of a new creation. A new creation that we all together are to be a picture of. For the only begotten of the Father took on flesh and gave himself to suffering and death so we'd be given life again in resurrection power to serve for the praise of his glory. And that's the blessing we hear every Sunday night before we start church. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of earth. 
to him who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Because the master deserves that. For in him, verse 19, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That a Savior fully God and fully man took residence among us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace. That by way of this fullness, the Master's fullness, we come to know more fully His goodness, His mercy, His glory, as we are found in Him. In fact, it's the living truth in Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. For in this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that y'all may be filled with the fullness of God. That that to us, brothers, is His promise to us as we serve our Lord and Master together. And it's the promise that will be known most powerfully in this church in reconciliation, verse 20, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Elders and deacons, that's the message that we make known in word and deed, in doctrine and life. That reconciliation in terms of the beefs that we might have to deal with in the life of the body need to be found reconciled in Christ. That the wonder of our own hearts and our own brokenness needs to be reconciled in Christ. Reconciliation can only be found and lived in Jesus. And so we make known the hope, yes, of personal reconciliation, but as awesome as that is, our Lord and Savior promises more to reconcile all things to Himself in heaven and on earth. A reconciliation that angels long to see and that creation itself groans for. We're working for something more than did they get saved. And that shouldn't be our language. Has the Lord saved them? Is the Lord changing them? Is he giving them a heart for glory and a long to see more of his kingdom come and his will done? It's a cosmic reconciliation. Far as the curse is found, and that can be worked not by us, not primarily, but by that great and only reconciler, who gave himself to making peace by the blood of his cross. That's the peace we're directed to. The kind of peace that we go out to make in that blessing as well. We seek reconciliation in the body, in this body, in broken circumstances, because that's the shalom that Christ was given to and given for what he gave himself for. 2 Corinthians 5, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we all are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the only way of reconciliation now and forever. The only message worth anything, the only wisdom that you have to give to anyone, that's where it starts. It's only and wholly found in Jesus, who alone can save us from our sins, who alone can bring us peace by the blood of that cross. Do you believe this? It is the only way to life abundant now and eternal forevermore. It's found in the Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. That must be believed. But that's the message we have to live out. That's the message we have to speak out. A needed story of Jesus so that all of his people, that these people would have in him all they need for salvation by God's grace. And so may we believe it and live it and work it and proclaim it in the exercise of our offices for all of us in the obedience of simply following him, but more in the joy of that salvation. Sirs, madams, we would see Jesus, the creator and sustainer, the master and reconciler. May he grant us grace to do that together. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the wonder of what Paul has written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by that which you have spoken into our hearts today. Father, may we, in the wonder of all that we have received in our Savior Jesus Christ, not just a personal salvation, but Father, a call then to cosmic reconciliation. Father, may we rejoice all the more that that is what you are working in us and more in your body, the church. Father, would you then uphold these men in their ministry among us unto that end that they would make their Savior known and that his praise would be glorious. Father, would you hear our prayer? Would you empower us by your Spirit to the same? And we ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.